eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. Look, outside of just the Eagles, I'm going to be honest. I'm excited to do this pod, not just to get out of Eagles content for a little, but it's it's a super important time for, for the Sixers. I mean, we both agree that they are NBA title contenders. The, the power rankings reflect that. Some of them have them number one now in the league. And this is going to be their last kind of real chance to add to the roster of any significance. There could be guys that are, are released that they're able to sign, but guys that have value in the league, this will be their last chance. So you had a really uh, informative, good article up this morning on phillyvoice.com. I would recommend everybody checks that out uh, to, to read it. But Kyle, I'm curious, just kind of nine days out, what do you expect from the Sixers? Well, so let's... Look at this from a big picture perspective. I think right. the Sixers are now at the point where they view this as a potentially special season, right? Mm. And I don't know that they felt that way, or it certainly wasn't trending that way early in the season. There were plenty of doubts about whether this was all going to come together. Guys are banged up. We don't know how things would have gone if they weren't able to survive that hardenless stretch throughout November. A lot of credit to Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers and some other people yeah. for you know, holding down the fort. But now that they have their healthy team, prior to that magic loss, they go, they win seven straight games. They're now 20 and six over the last 26. So I think they view this as an important deadline. I also don't think that Daryl Morey is the sort of person that tends to stand pat. I think more often than not, he's somebody who makes a deal it might not be a huge deal but it's going to be a deal so the two first immediate places i look one i think they want to try to get another two-way guy into the rotation i think the whole reason they signed daniel house jr is that he in theory is a like a worse defending but better shooting thibel like that sort of guy mm -hmm. where bringing him off the bench he can hold up against, you know, twos, threes, maybe not against all guards, but, you know, at least like some maybe slower guards. And he's an average-ish, probably above average shooter in a normal year. Now, he's underperformed. Thibel is like very clearly ahead of him in the rotation. Certainly deserves to be. But I think if they could get somebody like that, at least like the, the on-paper version of House, 
I think that's somebody they try to get. I also think, so if we're looking at, and I wrote about this in the article, I think if we're talking about the two guys that are currently in the rotation that might have some question marks to them, it's Thibel and it's George Niang for the exact opposite reasons. Thibel, I don't think they trust as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Even if Matisse was shooting well right now, I do think there's some, there's an undercurrent of even we don't buy this if he was having a good shooting run. Like they, it's very much the thought process is when the games matter and the pressure is on, the results haven't been there and they're not going to be there. Yeah, he's not a he's not a super young player anymore. I mean, he's been in the league a few years. Yeah, and even if he was shooting a bit better, I do think there's the school of thought is teams aren't going to guard him regardless. Like if mm-hmm. the team is a 35, 36% guy, that is a, a big change on paper, but in practice, they're going to load up in the middle of the floor and they're going to make him make shots in a playoff series. And I don't think the Sixers are especially confident in that. Now, on yeah. the other side of that, good reason. Think, yeah. yeah. On the other side of that, I think George Niang, while he's been one of the best volume shooters off the bench in the league this year, maybe the best, I'd have to you know go through the league and, and check mm-hmm. everybody out. I don't think they're confident he's going to hold up across a lot of matchups in the playoffs, especially you get matched up with a team like Boston, for example, and they can roll out a lineup where Tatum and Brown can essentially be the three and four, and then you only play Rob Williams or Al Horford at the five. It's a smaller lineup, but it's a smaller, much more athletic lineup, and those guys are picking on George Niang every single time, and that really complicates matters because you're already having to deal with the problems that starting a – James Harden, Tyrese Maxey backcourt. Right. Well, not starting anymore because of Melton, but playing those two guys tons of minutes, you're already putting a couple targets on the floor. So Niang complicates that. So if they could get, you know, maybe a worse shooting, better defending version of Niang, these are not going to be clear upgrades, right? Like I, I don't think, at least I don't suspect they're going to get somebody like a Jay Crowder, who's been one of the big trade rumor targets all year. He's sitting out the season in Phoenix. Well, and he's meeting with the Bucks too, right? Yeah. So there's there's been some Bucks smoke over the last, let's say, week or so. Mm-hmm. I don't, but but he sort of trends in that direction, right? He's not as good of a shooter as Niang, but he's a much better defender. So sort of in that arch type. And then the the other type of player they're looking at really hard right now may end up being a buyout guy, but that's a wait and see thing. Is backup center. I think we've talked about Trez and Paul Reed a decent amount. And I know the fan base is really aggravated by Montrez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, backup center to some extent is overdone, but I do think there is a real desire on the Sixers end to go out and get a potential just rim protecting. I don't want to say traditional five, because when I say traditional nowadays, that makes it seem like somebody who can't move, basically. Yeah. But I do think... You know, if Andre Drummond was available and it didn't cost a ton, I think that's somebody that I have some interest in. On the low end, use another Sixers player name who actually is on the Bulls with Drummond, uh, Tony Bradley type of guy, where you're bringing them into the game and they're not offering you tons on offense, but somebody who can play drop coverage and protect the rim, has soft hands. In Drummond's case, I think he's probably the high-end version of that player. Now, the reason I think they might go out and trade for a guy like this rather than just hoping somebody gets bought out and acquire him. Backup center now, a guy like that. 
Yeah. Yes. I, I think the problem for backup centers on the buyout market is that the sort of player that is going to say, I'll play 10 minutes a game behind Joel Embiid is probably pretty old, right? Yep. It's not yeah. somebody who's coming in and is giving you high level minutes. This is just somebody who's there to eat time, essentially. And, you know, I don't, we'll see who ends up getting bought out, but. I don't think if if you're talking about who would actually sign in Philly, I don't think the guy that anybody wants to see play is coming to Philadelphia. Like it's probably someone who's going to go to, I don't know, like the Lakers or the Clippers mm -hmm. or somewhere where it's maybe more of a competition. They're going to play more and things like that. Yeah. Now, the good news is the Sixers are definitely title contenders. Now, to your point about it being an old player, that appeals more to an old player than a younger player. Because now younger players don't get bought out a ton. But a guy that wants to still establish his career is going to go to a team where he's going to play more minutes. A guy that yeah. is older is going to come here, play 10 minutes, and try to, to win a ring. But, all right, so there was, there was a lot there. Um, one question I have for you mostly is, so they're looking for essentially like a better version of Daniel House, if you had to guess, like someone that can do that at a level they thought Daniel or House even, not even better, just like the version they thought they would Competent, get. Right. Like, uh, yeah, essentially. But I guess my question is, so Thibault is probably pretty easy to move out of the rotation. If they can find a better Thibault, I don't think they'll mind just kind of waxing, you know, cutting his minutes. My question with George, well, do you disagree with that? So uh, the, the problem with, or not the problem, I would say with Thibault, I don't think they're necessarily trying to move him. I I don't know that the free agent market's going to be huge for him. So I think they might roll the dice and keep him through the deadline and see, you know, they have matching rights and restricted free agency. So they could always mm -hmm. come back in the summer and say, you know, go see what you can get and, and then match it. And then, you know, he's not going to get crazy money. So if that's the case, no. you have him on a friendly-ish deal over, you know, four years or whatever that probably ends up being a win and that probably ends up making it easier to move him for well, more of an impact guy later. Well, I guess more, more what I was trying to say was if they can acquire a two-way player that is a better version of Thibault, I don't think they mind the fact Thibault wouldn't be playing. They're not prioritized getting him minutes, right? They're playing him yeah. out of necessity to a certain point. George Niang, I think they're playing because to your point, he's an awesome shooter. He can come off the bench and give them exactly what they need. So my question for you would be if they're able to find a George Niang type of player that's not as good of a shooter, but a way better defender, a better athlete, maybe those type of things. How do you like, do you think they're going to acquire a player that would cut into Niang's minutes significantly? Like, how do you envision it all working out? Because, you know, they're not going to acquire, it sounds like a mega star. So if you're talking role yeah. players, you're basically cutting guys out of the rotation if you, if you acquire them. So how do you view that shaking out if they're able to? If I had to guess, I don't think anybody they're acquiring is just walking into the rotation. It's more, this is somebody okay. who is a competitor for minutes and is at least an alternative if things go wrong, right? Because, you know, if they were going to make a big move, as we've discussed a hundred times already, it probably relies on trading Tobias Harris. So for example, mm -hmm. if they're making a, a move for like OG Ananobi, who's one of the big names on the market right now, which if he's the big name on the market, that says a lot about right. where the market is at. 100%, um, yeah. So if they were to make a move for him, that turns into probably a bigger deal with a lot of moving parts. Like you can get to, 
I believe Ananobi's making like 18 million, if I'm remembering that correctly. You could get there with, say, uh, Melton and Tucker, but you're yeah. not making that t- like because one, Toronto's not taking that deal, they're asking for more. And I think if you were to ask some people in Philadelphia in the front office, so I, I think there are people that make that would make the claim that Melton is probably your third or fourth best player this year, depending wow. on how you factor in, you know, Tyrese is hurt for a long time. Yeah. And I think totally. Tobias is viewed as like, I don't think this is a, you know, Maxi is just the third guy, at least this year. He's certainly probably the more important guy of all these guys long-term, but I do think they value everything that their uh, role players in the starting lineup. Have well, brought. Let, me, let me ask you something really quick. Do you think yeah. they've soured on Maxi? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't think so. I, I think no? it's just okay. it's more a case of he was hurt for six weeks. So okay. I, I would say I'm I would have come into the year thinking Maxi was basically untouchable. I do mm-hmm. not think he's there. I, I do think that the possibility exists for a huge trade if they want to make it, because I think the Sixers are willing to trade anybody but James Harden and Joel Embiid. I just think that based on what the uh what the players what players are available on the market right now, I just don't think that anything involving like a well, maxi is really on the table. It's just wild to me because and correct me if I misheard you, but you know, there's some people in the Sixers maybe think Melton's their third best player because how good he's been and because Maxie's been hurt and Maxie's now coming off the bench. So, you know, I I do believe in Maxie and we've had a lot of discussions. I do wonder from the outside looking in if another fan base or another, you know, group of reporters or, or league is looking and going, I mean, they're bringing this guy off the bench now. So maybe he's not as valued within that organization as he was supposed to be at this point of the season in his career. I think that would probably hold more weight if they weren't winning. That's the thing. It's like they've done this for the betterment of the team. And we've also seen now last night Tyrese didn't play well, but nobody really played well. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we've also seen Tyrese settle into this role. It's not as if he's moving there and he's taking it as a demotion. I I do think because he's had the right attitude about it, it's allowed him to get the most out of it. It's allowed the team to get the most out of it. So if that's the, if that continues to be the case, then there won't be as many vultures circling, but yeah, it's always whenever a guy who's a highly regarded young player, someone who's still waiting on their first huge payday, Mm -hmm. get demoted in a certain way, then everybody's going to be keeping an eye on that. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a situation where they're actively looking to move on from him. And the other thing is, so again, this goes back to who's actually available right now. Yeah. 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 Not to focus on Ananobi too much, but, but let's say for example, the Sixers decided they really wanted OG Ananobi and that's the guy they want to go after. And they say, you know, Maxi can be part of this deal. If you make a deal and bring in a wing like that, then you become so reliant on if James Harden walks in the offseason, 
you are in big time trouble because yeah. your guard depth is basically zero and you don't have a ton of ways to actually rectify that, right? You don't have trade assets to move. They're going to bring in a high level guard. You don't have first round picks. So I think the the real tricky thing with Maxi is that not only is he valuable to this current team, he's also a long-term security blanket in a lot of ways in the event that whether it's James decides he wants out, maybe, and again, I'm not reporting this is the case, but maybe Joel gets sick of what's happening here and he wants to go win somewhere else, whatever. And if Joel leaves and James leaves within the next couple of years, well, then really, what do you have? Then you're you're (laughs) really- You have a rebuild. Yeah, you have a rebuild on your hands. And facilitating that without somebody like Maxi, you'd go through some real dark times. At, at least Maxi would give you a bit of a leg up, a, a, a not a high starting point, but certainly a higher starting point than if you're dealing with yeah. no shot creators and a deficit of picks. So I, I think that's also in the calculus. So does OG feel like the biggest name that's available right now? Probably. I mean, unless you're saying Russell Westbrook, because the, yeah, that, that's pure name value. But if you're talking mm-hmm. about actual impact type of player, I think that's I think he's the guy. Um, if, if Siakam was available, maybe, but I don't think the Raptors are trading him. What would what would OG bring to the Sixers roster? And I know you're not saying they're like in on him or it's a real possibility. I'm just yeah. curious now. Like, what what do you think makes him worth potentially giving up a legitimate package for? I mean, he might be at the moment, the best wing defender in the league. So if you add him to the team, like let's just say in theory, you trade Tobias as part of a package for OG, Tobias and whatever for OG and maybe whatever other, like another guy. um, You suddenly become, you you take Tobias and you're replacing him with one of the best defenders in the league. Now, Tobias Mm -hmm. has had good defensive moments. But he does not have the versatility or you know day-to-day consistency, athleticism of somebody like OG. Where I think that would change the team in a bad way, I do think that Tobias is significantly better as a shot creator. I do think uh, I don't know if the numbers would bear this out this year. I think Tobias is a a better shooter by at least a decent distance, maybe like two percent, three percent. If I had to guess off the top of my head. And I think he's probably scoring you four to six points a game that OG just can't get you. Like mm-hmm. he's just not able to create his own shot in the same way. And if he was able to, I think Toronto would have fewer problems and they wouldn't be in the, the business of, you know, potentially blowing the team up and, yeah, so and training okay. people. So I would be wary of trading for him in general, because I think, you know, actually great example is the Sixers playoff series with the Raptors last year right they spent a lot of that series saying hey we're not afraid of og ananobi beating us we'll leave you open Mm -hmm. and there were games where they were punished for that certainly but most of that series toronto couldn't score and they still can't score yeah because they don't have a guy they don't have like the guy that they can go to. right so if you trade for og you do get better defensively but it becomes a situation where now you're really reliant on James and Joel doing everything. Well, and, and Maxie. You have Maxi. And Maxi. Well, I don't know if Maxi stays in that sort of okay, thing. Okay. Right. Um, you think it would take might, Maxie? It might be getting spun into like a big, a big deal at that point at Tobias's mm-hmm. getting moved. But so 
you become if you're in crunch time and it's James, OG, PJ, Joel, and maybe Melton or Maxi. If Maxi's still here, but I think the idea is you want to get defensively tougher. So let's say Melton. Yeah. In that example, James and Joel have to do basically all the creating. And if you end up in a late clock situation, I don't really trust any of those other guys. If Tobias is here, you can at least say, you know, there's five seconds on the clock. He can go get you a shot from mid-range and he might make mm. a shot from mid-range. And that could be the difference in the game, like a, a four point, six point game in the playoffs. Those possessions could be the entire difference in the game. And so I don't yeah. think that's something you should take for granted. Maybe if OG's given a bigger opportunity, he can eventually become that guy. But I don't think that he is that guy now. And I also well, think he's dissatisfied with his role in Toronto. At least that's the rumor. You're not getting a bigger role here. You're yeah. going to be a guy who's going to stand in the corner or set screens and defend hard. And you're going to get occasional opportunities as an offensive player. So I don't think this profiles as you know his happy place either. So I, you know, his emotions aside, and that maybe is more of a discussion. It becomes more of a real thing. But just to continue to use OG as as an example, right? I do think I've become more in the camp of. Ultimately, we all know this season is going to come down to Joel and Harden. We've always said that since the pod began. But I think there were times where I said, look, maybe you go and trade for a legit bucket guy because if one of those falters, you have them as a backup. I think Joel and Harden are playing well enough right now where the reality remains, yes, they're not going anywhere if those two don't play great. But I'm not as interested in keeping a safety net under them. So to your point about... I think that's a, that's a fair way to approach it, I think. Yeah, like so... If, if you trade Tobias, you're right. You're not as good offensively in some ways, but I think you're better complementing the two players that you really, really need to focus on. And especially if you keep Maxi. So as they approach the deadline, I'm all always going to be in for a big trade for a bucket boy. That's just, it's my heart. It's what I believe in. But I do think it sounds the way they're approaching it is much more. This team is really good. Let's compliment Joel and James more so than uh, you know, try to add a significant type piece because they might, frankly, not need it. Yeah, I I just don't think there's a a big market out there, and I think this is this is somewhat a product of how the play-in tourney has changed how teams are valuing the regular season. Right, there are just fewer outright sellers at the deadline. Mm-hmm. A team like the Wizards, who's not very good, they traded Rui Hachimura, but that was not about getting worse it was about wanting to pay Kyle Kuzma in the offseason and I would say historically a team like that is saying you know screw this we'll just tear it down and hope we can tank for Victor Wembanyama and there are a lot of teams that are in that position Toronto's another one Toronto to me should strip it down to the nails I agree you you keep you keep Siakam you keep like a one or two other guys and you say, who cares about this season? If we can get Victor or one of these other guys at the top of the draft, then we're really off to the races. That, that and really, who cares about future. Siakam? Siakam's a nice player. No, he's a good guy. Siakam's very, he's very, very good. Like He's, not he's very good, but, but he's not he the guy is the point I'm making. trade package. Like, he would get uh, a huge the, deal if he got traded for. Right, but the point I'm making with Siakam is you have to get another guy. It doesn't matter if you have Siakam, you're just constantly going to be like a seven or six seed and constantly be right there as your best guy. So I agree Siakam's good, but if they don't trade him and completely tear it down, they're never going to get the guy with Siakam because Siakam's just good enough to keep them in contention. 
Right, but I think if you trade Fred Van Vliet and or OG Ananobi and you get like nothing current in return, I think you can start. Siakam can have a phantom injury at some point, whatever it is. And I, they, can, they can get into that mix of, you know, bottom eight or bottom, whatever it is, bottom mm-hmm. six, bottom eight. And that's uh, there are more teams that should probably do that. Now, the, the counter argument is, the bottom teams are so bad that it's almost impossible to even penetrate the the Detroit Houston level of uh yeah, of tanking of this year. But you have to be realistic about where your chances are. I do think the play in tournament has skewed that a little bit where teams are more, well, we'll just stand pat. I don't think we would have seen a Miles Turner extension in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And Indiana's a decent play in level playoff team. But they had a lot of interest. There was a lot of interest in Turner, specifically from the Lakers earlier this year. I think maybe five, ten years ago, Turner just gets traded to the Lakers, and maybe the Lakers are more willing to trade for a guy like that at that point. Yeah. Instead, they extended Turner. It seems like he's going to stay at least the rest of this year. They're going to see what happens in the playoffs, and then they probably trade him. So I just I don't think, other than the one the one exception is I think Atlanta would drive John Collins to the airport. <laughs> tomorrow with somebody offered yeah. what they wanted they've been trying to trade him for it's what do you think like it takes to get him now. if you're the sixers john collins yeah uh, i mean he's just he doesn't really because essentially you're you'd be trading that's like that's a tobias trade and i just straight up would rather have tobias yeah because john collins's problem is that he hasn't been effective as a a center like a small ball center type guy and he's not happy with his role in Atlanta. Now, maybe that's – we talked about Trey Young and how the players don't really love him. Yeah, they seem to hate him. Think. Yeah. And so maybe that's just a product of playing with Trey and he'd be happier here where figure something out with James and playing off of Joel, whatever. But I kind of just say no thanks to him in general. Well, let me ask you this. So the guys that they're looking for, the 3 and D type of guys, like the role player 3 and D players – how hard are those guys going to be to acquire? Because you would think that the good teams that have them, to your point, there's a lot more teams in playoff contention than normal. They're not going to trade them away because they're valuable parts of winning. They got the teams that are terrible. They might have young versions of those, but they probably don't have playoff ready versions of those. Or unless I'm not thinking, I'm sure I'm not thinking of some players, but how hard is it going to be to acquire the type of player they're looking for? It's very difficult because the entire league wants three and D players. That's, they're the they went from being a market inefficiency to every single team wants as many of them as they can mm-hmm. have. So all the good ones are either locked up on deals or are young and so they're not being traded. And so you're not gonna get a good one unless you're trading with you know, like Charlotte or yeah. Detroit or these teams that are truly out of it that have no real reason to compete this year. And in that case, those guys are just if the, they were better, their teams would be better. So you are, and it's also based on what the Sixers have to trade, right? They don't want to move, if they don't have to, a guy like Melton, who is one of their, weirdly enough, makes a lot more money than you know a bunch of the roster, despite the fact he's only making like $8 million a year. Right. Well, that's weird. That's the thing. They don't have a lot of tradable contracts. That's the yeah. other tough part of this, I think. And so that's why it gets interesting when you talk about the Tobias maxi combo in a trade because that's real value 
And that's something you could turn into real guys coming back if you're talking about, you know, a team that's stripping it down or maybe a team that's a playoff team that has different needs, that needs more shot creation, whatever it is. Yeah. But it just like, are you getting proper value back? The answer is probably no, which is why I think it, it ends up being you probably move somebody like Jaden Springer, Cork Maz, Daniel House Jr., Thibault, if it's more of a high-end version of this trade and you get whatever back that you can get for, you know, the poo-poo platter of guys right. that you're talking about there. And I can't imagine you get much for those guys. Now, I will say one thing they have to consider too is these guys have to be ready to come in and play in the playoffs. Like the good news, the good quality about Jay Crowder would be he has played in the postseason and he he is ready to do those things. Whereas if you're trading for, to your point, a younger player, they're not ready to play in the conference finals, or at least you don't expect them to be. It's possible that it's just the right type of, you know, Jalen Hurts type of attitude where this guy is just ready and played in big games. But that's probably probably not what you're getting. My, my other question for you would be, because of the reality that Melton makes $8 million, now he's a starter, so trading him is no small thing, but he makes $8 million, Matt, uh, Toby's at 37 I don't think you're getting anything for Tucker. Would you be willing to trade Toby for like three guys, like turn Toby into, into three guys, but none of them are as good as Toby. Do you, do you think that's a, a option they would explore? I think that was probably more on the table before the season. I could, I think Tobias playing the way he has, has made that a much tougher sell where you, you're not going to bench him at the end of a playoff game. He's going mm-hmm. to play. And so I just I don't see having a, a revolving door where it's like, well, this guy's a decent defender, but not a great shooter. This guy, like you're not going to get a good enough player to be a nailed on starter in the playoffs level guy in return for just a bias. And so I think it makes it sort of pointless. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up that I just pulled up, I the Sixers do have, and I know this is just a second round pick, so we don't have to pretend that it's like this ultra valuable. <laughs> but if we're talking about potential sweetener pieces, they own the more favorable second round pick between Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. Now that's almost certainly going to be Charlotte. And Charlotte's right. really bad. That could be one of the first few picks of the second yeah, like 34 round. 34 or whatever. And that has a lot of value in the sense that there are a lot of teams that like to trade into that spot out, like trade out of the first round and into that spot because they do not have to pay that guy guaranteed money. And mm. so that's an interesting, if you put a thigh bowl in a trade, for example, and then you also add that second round pick that then you at least get, that's some interesting value for a team. Now the Sixers probably want to hold on to that pick if they can, just because, they're up against the cap and yeah. you know a guy on a cheap deal in a deep draft this year or at least that people expect it to be a deep draft that could have more valuable or more value than in a normal year another person we haven't brought up yet is shake milton is an interesting sweetener in the same respect well, what's he make though He's well, like that's the million. problem. So he would have to be in a deal where there's a bigger contract in there, right? He's only making like $2 million. Yeah. So, but I think with Maxi moving to the second unit and James is going to play more minutes in the playoffs, even though he's already playing a ton of minutes. Yeah. Having a guy who's like a pure sixth man type player, not as valuable or in Shake Milton, I mean, 
is not as valuable as it was when Tyrese is starting. You don't need as much offensive creation off of the bench with Tyrese in that sort of role. And so I wonder if a contending team, you know, the Clippers are actually an interesting team now that I'm thinking about it. The Clippers probably need to make some consolidation trades. They just have too many guys. Yeah. But they've been rumored to want guard help. I think more of a starting level guard. But I wonder if a team like that says, hey, Shake's a, a real six man type that gives us offense off the bench. He would help a lot of, you know, contenders or pseudo contender type teams. And so if they end up making a big move, I wonder if he's like a, a little bit extra to throw in a deal to make that happen. Well, and I do wonder if a team like the Clippers might talk themselves into Tucker just because they, if you're doing it to contend, maybe you think in the playoffs and if you put shake and Tucker together, you're at 13 million, 12 million, whatever. So maybe you're able to acquire better, a better player. Otherwise, I mean, who would, who on the Clippers would you, would you look at? I know you're off the top of your head, but I'm curious. Well, Robert Covington's basically not playing at all. Oh, there you go. And he's, yeah. and he's not going to play starting What's level minutes or he's on a, I'd have to double check. I'll look right now. But just to talk about him a little bit, like he's sort of that example of he's not shooting like George and Yang. He makes but he's a better, nine. but he's a better defensive option than George yeah. and Yang. I I think he's probably out of the the salary price range. But that he fits within that mold of a player that I'm talking about. So he makes uh, 12, on the Tucker on the Tucker yeah. subject. I don't think yep. they're trading Tucker. I, okay. I think if they were, for whatever reason, able to get a serious upgrade on Tucker, sure. But one, I don't think that's happening. Two, I think, again, I go back to what we talked about with things I heard in the offseason and how we've seen him use recently. They know that he's going to be a valuable sort of versatile guy in the playoffs, that if they're playing switching lineups, that he can play center. They can't really use anybody else on this roster the way they used him against Jokic the other night. For example. I was going to say, he played well in that game, right? Was awesome defensively. Yeah. Was basically the entire reason that Jokic did nothing for <laughs> the entire fourth quarter and most of the second half. Which it is totally so junked up. It, it's Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> subject. Right. But so I, I think they look at games like that and some of the games he's had against Milwaukee and Brooklyn throughout the year – there are definitely playoff series and playoff matchups where they're going to need him and they need that sort of switchable, versatile, can play the four, can play the five, can do different things that I, I don't think they're going to be able to find that in somebody else that they would bring back for him. They yeah. might get a better, a cleaner fit in terms of like a true wing, maybe with that sort of money, but his present day value on the trade market is not good enough that I think it's going to be worth trading him. Do you think they would trade Niang? I mean, of course they would for, you know, the right deal, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's he's not good enough to be like, oh, yeah, they're definitely not trading That's what him. I mean, the, yeah. The, the trick is, do you trade him and make, and then you have other questions to answer. Like, where does the bench shooting mm -hmm. come from? Because then you're left with a bench that's like, Shake has had a good shooting year, but he could... Uh, be on a downturn at any point. Thibel, certainly, we know what his uh, his yeah. shooting is. Neither of their backup bigs face the floor. So then you're in a situation where you're not getting that out of... It's not like they have a Mike Muscala that they could bring him into the rotation and say, we'll sort of juice up the, the bench shooting in that way. So yeah, I, uh, that's a really tricky one because if you lose him, all of a sudden you go from 
they're at a surplus of shooting to, I don't know if they have enough. Yeah. And the, they, the good news is they have a lot in their starting lineup, but you're right that it would then become an issue off the bench. So before we move on from the trade stuff, I mean, is there anything else you want to add? I'm trying to think maybe like just summarize it up. It seems like they're going to look for a three and D guy, uh, a version of Daniel house that maybe is the version they thought they were getting and then backup center potential buyout options, but also a, a position you think they'll look at, but you think those are the three kind of key areas they're going to key in on as the, uh, as a deadline comes up. Yeah. And so the luxury tax is something that's been brought up a bunch by other reporters leading into this. I do think if they could, they're going to get under the tax, but I don't think it's a matter of that's the number one priority for the team. I think mm -hmm. if they can be better and also be cheaper, that, that would be great. And I, I think, think everyone would pick that option. That, yeah. That's like in a, sal in a salary cap yeah. league, that's just kind of the reality of things. But I, I don't think the only way I see them only making a, a pure cap saving move is if there's just nothing out there. I don't think this mm -hmm. is a, I think the team is good enough that it, they know it'd be really hard to sell to the fan base. Hey, we're just saving money uh, for Josh Harris. Like, right. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a, helping him a, a route uh, they want to go down especially as they're still trying to load up for this uh stadium or arena well, proposal and also like you don't want to save money to help josh harris buy washington now i uh, washington commanders i personally don't care if he buys a washington commanders but uh yeah that, that the pr of that will, will will not be great if they they save money especially oh, on that when... front, i don't think that's gonna happen if i have oh, you don't guess. think so no okay. i mean i did some reporting on this i i think the the expectation is that's going to be Jeff Bezos's team at some point. I know there's a lot of contention. There's a contentious relationship between him and Daniel Snyder, but I think the from my understanding, the people involved in that process are just sort of waiting for him to eventually trump everyone's bids and and get the team. I know that yeah. he hasn't actually submitted anything formal yet, but the the Sixers ownership group was involved in the Broncos sale process. Mm -hmm. And who who bought that? The Waltons, right? The, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when they bought the team, they were essentially uninvolved in the bid process until after Josh Harris, or not Josh Harris, but associates of Josh Harris's went to Denver and met with Denver's brain trust and toured the stadium and met players right. and coaches and whatever. And then the Waltons came in and said, "Hey, we're going to bid, you know, four point whatever billion dollars." Yeah. And yeah. so the so HBSE was basically like, "Yeah, no thanks, we're not having a bid <laughs> over this." So I think they're interested in NFL ownership in general. I also think they they would like to become majority owner of a Premier League team potentially. But I mean, they should just I, buy leads at this point. The whole roster is American and the head coach is American. So just just go ahead. I would say I think they they have looked <laughs> at bigger fish. They were in for Chelsea before that mm -hmm. went to top. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So the long and short of it is I do think at some point, if they can, that that group is going to try to buy an NFL team. I don't well, think it's going to be Washington if I had to guess. I'm sure that'll just because Jeff well. Bezos has more money than God. Like that's yeah, exactly. He can just buy, he'll just buy it today if he wants. So I'm yeah. sure it'll go well with the fans whenever uh, whenever Josh Harris buys an NFL team. But 